Pito, welcome on in. It is overtime with Jonathan Pito, and glad to be with you guys here on this Tuesday. I'm doing good. I hope you guys are doing good. I got to get into what Spencer had at the top of the show, and that is breaking news out of the NFL. I got a lot to discuss on Harbaugh. I want you guys to make sure you tune in, mainly because I think if you're an Ohio State fan, you're going to like what I have to say. But we'll get to all that in a second. The breaking news with Herbert, and I know we got five hours to unpack this, but I got a little giddy at the thought process of all this, mainly because Herbert now getting paid the amount of money that he is, averaging out $52.5 million per year. There's like 75 questions that stem from this, and each one gets more tantalizing the further and further you go down. $52.5 million per year. He becomes the third quarterback this offseason to become the highest-paid quarterback ever. It started with Hurts, and then it took like, what, a week and a half? And then it was Lamar Jackson. And then now three months later, it becomes Justin Herbert as they reach a deal on five years, $262.5 million that puts him with the Chargers through the 2029 season. And what's amazing about that is when I think of Herbert and Lamar, who got paid the bag, the thing that comes to mind the most between the two of them is the anti-Joe Burrow when Joe Burrow gets paid. And I think this is where you're going to find some of the differences. Justin Herbert has played in one playoff game. Remember that playoff game? It was uh, the loss to Jacksonville, where Jacksonville erased like the 25-point deficit. Al Michaels, I was convinced, fell asleep in the booth during the game. Wild game, like one of the greatest playoff games for the first round you'll ever find. And I was convinced Al Michaels. You had to check him for a pulse halfway through. He seemed so uninterested. It was ridiculous. But yeah. That was the one the one game we have on memory and the one game we have with Justin Herbert in the postseason is him completing 58% of his passes, throwing one touchdown, and then losing in one of the worst ways imaginable. As you watch Jacksonville just climb back in and then erase a, a deficit that uh, we thought was going to hang there for the entirety of the game. Now, I, did it matter? No, because ultimately you won the right to then go get bleep kicked by Kansas City the next week. So really it wasn't. You were dead man walking, but you don't want to be dead man walking in that way. So Lamar's got one victory postseason-wise in his entire career. Justin Herbert has one playoff appearance in his career. And then Deshaun Watson, who is another angle on all this, Deshaun in and of itself has just the one postseason win as he's 1-2 and two in the postseason in his career. Like We're really kind of showing the idea and the differences between getting paid the bag and showing that you can win postseason games and just getting the bag and being a great regular season quarterback up until this point. And I'm not trying to take things away from Justin Herbert. I like Justin Herbert. I think more the product with Justin Herbert is the idea that he led an offense that scored 1,233 points during his first three years, which is the most in NFL history in the post-merger. But he's also on a defense that has given up 1,256 points during that three-year span, which is also the most in history for any three-year span. He's been on an historically great offense for as young as he is, matched with an historically bad defense. People always ask me, they're like, oh, why are you so hard on Brandon Staley? His brothers are in the area. We should root for a guy like Brandon Staley. I don't care who's in the area. I don't care in the slightest bit. Brandon Staley's a defensive-minded coach. That hasn't coached good defense. 
Well, that, that's when you have a problem. There are more red flags than Tiananmen Square when you are a defensive-minded coach and your defense is the issue. Justin Herbert was supposed to be all everything at Oregon. Remember, he stayed for his senior year, and because he stayed for his senior year, people knocked him. Because after his junior season, he flat out came out and said, I wasn't ready for the pros. I wasn't ready. I'm not ready to go to the NFL. I want to stay another year. And people, scouts, looked at that like it was a bad thing. Justin Herbert was on the Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, Trevor Lawrence trajectory, where since the age of 12, everyone told him he was going to be the number one pick in the NFL draft. And then he stayed his senior season because he was hesitant, ends up not going number one overall, and then still ends up becoming, at least according to the brick, the Brinks truck that is being backed up to his apartment or his house or his condo or whatever he lives in, an actual superstar. But I do think it's worth noting that a lot of these players these days, everyone poo-poos Deshaun Watson getting the bag, $230 million in guaranteed money, and everyone says, we have, how many calls do we take? One playoff win for Deshaun. Way too much money for a guy that doesn't win at the next level. Didn't matter what he did in college at all at Clemson. Hey, doesn't win at the next level. Well, it was four years. It was four years. And look at the people now that are getting the bag based off of, and some, some obviously have had postseason success. But if we focus in on Herbert and Lamar, the most recent two to break NFL records for the amount of money that they've been given, and they're going to make it an annual contract, All of a sudden, Deshaun Watson's deal doesn't look that bad. Deshaun Watson, with this deal, is going to be the seventh highest paid quarterback in the NFL. Once Joe Burrow signs pen to paper, he's going to move to being the eighth highest quarterback in the NFL. That's not bad. By all things, now, the part that makes it rough with Deshaun is that Deshaun is all guaranteed money, and so you are tied to Deshaun for the next three years after this year, so four years, really, no matter what you say or do or think about it. If Deshaun sucks, Deshaun is still our quarterback, or at least making franchise quarterback money. Might be sitting, you know, right in the pine, but he's at least making franchise quarterback money until the year 2027. Okay, he's going to be here for a very long time, regardless, because that's what's attached to his money. But you, you see what's happening here in the NFL, and you see some of these deals. Herbert's attached the same way, Lamar's attached the same way. Now we'll wait and see how much of this is guaranteed because I think that's going to be a big talking point and sticking point on this as well. But it's not as if Lamar got robbed in the guarantee department. It's not as if Jalen Hurts got robbed in the guarantee department. And through his first three seasons, Herbert has the most passing yards in NFL history. He's got the second most passing touchdowns in NFL history, trailing only Dan Marino. And he's got the fourth best total QBR, according to Adam Schefter, since his rookie season in 2020. He is everything that the Browns wanted Baker Mayfield to become when the Browns took Baker Mayfield number one overall. But he's not had that deep postseason success. And a lot of the reasoning behind that, you can blame Staley, and I'll accept that as an answer, but they've given him a lot of different weapons. He's got one of the best running backs in the game in Eckler. They just took Johnston out of TCU. I mean, fantastic call there with wide receivers. They've obviously always had good wide receivers in general. Like, they, they've given him enough weapons to make that whole thing work. Now, they got to find their way into having a good defense. That's going to be the next mode of getting them to the very top. But these are the slam dunk, easy decisions 
that currently inhabit the NFL. Everyone spends the week talking about running backs, running backs, running backs. What do we pay? These are the slam dunks. I think people get this always wrong. It's never the idea that you pay someone like Justin Herbert top quarterback money that's the issue. That's never truly the problem. You'll gladly pay someone like Patrick Mahomes top-tier money. You'll gladly pay Jalen Hurts top-tier money. Justin Herbert top-tier money, even though in the instance of Herbert, he doesn't have the postseason success as a Hurts, as a Mahomes, or even as a Burrow as he gets ready to, to go ahead and break the bank. And that's never the issue. People, they always get this wrong. The issue is when you're a team and you pay someone like Daniel Jones top-tier money to be Daniel Jones. That's when you really have a problem. So this is a no-brainer for the Chargers. Nobody can deny that. Nobody would ever suggest that it isn't. But I find it fascinating if you put it in the Deshaun Watson context, how this is the going rate. And what was the going rate a year ago for Deshaun Watson is looking better and better by each passing day to the point where we might wake up four years from now. And because the Browns made every bit of Deshaun Watson's guaranteed, if Deshaun Watson is awesome and it just hits the ground running the way that I hope and expect Deshaun Watson to hit the ground running, then the Browns won't have to worry about paying that much money to a quarterback when after Joe Burrow signs, he's the eighth highest paid quarterback in the NFL. Because by the time two years from now, he's going to be the 13th, 14th highest paid quarterback. And by the time you get to the end of that deal in 2027, a long time from now, he's going to end up being, I would bet, 15, 16, 17, somewhere in that list. Unless he renegotiates because things are going so well and you have to back up, you gladly back up the Brinks truck in the process and you keep it moving. People wonder, they're like, oh, the Browns, they keep, they keep just kicking the can down the road. Eventually the credit card is going to have to come, you have to pay that one at your doorstep, right? Well, it's okay. The way they're doing this right now, you keep watching year in, year out, even if they're not paying as much right now to maybe pay a little bit more a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, that's part of their thinking and part of their process. It is incredible what's happening with the salaries and the quarterbacks, but it's just this is the reality. If you have someone like a Justin Herbert, you make that deal. You do that, you, and it's not going to kill you. The only time you get destroyed on these type of deals is the Daniel Jones area that you could live in, the Dak Prescott area that you could live in. Dak Prescott makes $40 million a year. You're not, Dak Prescott is what he is. Daniel Jones makes $40 million a year. He is who he is. Derek Carr makes thirty-seven and a half a year. He is who he is. That's it's never the, the problem is never paying the Mahomes of the world. The problem is paying the Daniel Jones, the Derek Cars, the Kirk Cousins, the Jared Goffs, those guys, the amount of money. That's where teams end up getting in trouble. So I don't hate this move from the Chargers in the slightest bit. I think it's interesting as you look and move forward how now Deshaun Watson will slide to being the seventh highest paid and Patrick Mahomes will slide to being the eighth highest paid. We talk about the AFC and how the Chiefs are going to be a dynasty for years to come, potentially. It's a problem for the Browns because we're in the AFC. But part of that is the idea that every year moving forward, we do owe Deshaun Watson more money than Patrick Mahomes is going to end up getting. And Patrick Mahomes now, as you watch the sliding scale, goes now from seventh to eighth in the NFL, and it all just becomes a little bit more tolerable. The earlier you can pay some of these guys, you can make it up on the back end if you really do have a superstar. So I get what the, I get what the Chargers are doing. Next up has got to be the Bengals. I don't know that that mom-and-pop shop in Cincinnati is going to have the 300 large, three stacks of high society to be able to pay Joe Burrow 
the way that Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, after seeing this, has got to be able to command. All the individual numbers for Herbert is fantastic. Burrow's been to two AFC title games and a Super Bowl in the previous two years. He's got to get at least 300. I would, if I were him, ask for somewhere around 400 and then negotiate and maybe end up somewhere in the middle. A record-breaking contract, though, and I think Justin Herbert's earned it, but the fascinating part is how many of these quarterbacks in the top 10 don't have massive amounts of playoff experience. Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, Lamar, Deshaun, Justin Herbert. There are just as many quarterbacks in the top 10 of average yearly salary earnings that don't have a massive amount of playoff wins and playoff success as the ones that do. All right, we come on back. Just want to touch that one off the rip. Obviously, we don't get big breaking NFL news often. When we do, we got to take care of it. We come on back, though. When it comes to Jim Harbaugh, he's facing a four-game suspension. Can Michigan stop acting like they're above it all now? Can can we just can we can we put the decree out there? Can Michigan stop acting like they're holier than thou after this news? So many people are focused on the burgers, it's the wrong part of the story. I'll explain what I mean. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. It's overtime with Jonathan Beetle here with you on the fan. All right, back out of here on the fan. It is overtime with Jonathan Peter, and we'll get to Harbaugh in a second. I got one more note on Justin Herbert. Our buddy Tom Pelissero put this one out there, and th- this just speaks to what I'm talking about when it comes to how the money always changes. And so what seems daunting and what seems like, oh, my gosh, if Watson doesn't work out, we are going to be swimming in it for years on end, isn't really the worst thing in the world if you take this perspective on it, Okay. So let's let's do this one together, please. All right. When it comes to the new deal with Herbert at $262 million per year, people talk about this all the time. I just brought this up with all the NBA money recently. The NBA money, uh, it has doubled in the previous five years. And people are like, oh, my God, Max Struess got $16 million. Yeah, Max Struess got $16 million because that's the going rate for players like Max Struess now. It's just that that's what it is. I'm sorry that's mind-blowing to you. Uh, but the Green Brick Road has been very kind to the NBA and the NFL, and even Major League Baseball as well. Dollars go up. This is how this works. But in 2013, Aaron Rodgers was the NFL's highest-paid player at $22 million per year. Just 10 years later, okay? So that was 2013. We're now in the year 2023. There are 18 quarterbacks making over $22 million. There are 12 making $40 million, And now there are four making $50 million plus after Herbert's extension. The cap has grown almost 83%, and the quarterback money goes even faster. Because unlike the running backs, everyone is very well aware how arena league football the NFL has gotten, where the quarterbacks are everything. Wide receivers matter a ton, too, but quarterbacks are everything. Christian Kirk can make $20 million a year. Meanwhile, Nick Chubb is looking for pennies under the seat cushion for a reason. Like that's, just, that's just how this works right now. The NFL is very quick to pay their top quarterbacks. They have to be. The only dangerous part of that, as I mentioned, it's not necessarily paying a Justin Herbert when you got it. It's not even paying a Deshaun Watson if he turns out to be the Deshaun Watson of old. The only dangerous part of all this happens when you start paying the Daniel Jones of the world $40 million. That's when it gets to be problematic. When you are paying substandard quarterbacks or middle-of-the-road quarterbacks $40 million, 
that's when you have an issue. 12 quarterbacks right now are making $40 million when 10 years ago, $22 million was the top number. It just it, Money's always going to grow. It's always going to be higher and higher as all this other, as the cap continues to rise, as the revenue streams continue to rise, as the TV dollars continue to go up. This is going to be the reaction to that. I, I find it so fascinating. The NFL cap has really been put on blast in the previous week. And it's not that people are suggesting there shouldn't be a cap, but I think we've never paid more attention to how that money gets allocated out than what we have within the running back conversation. And now in turn, what you're watching tonight as people are trying to digest the fact that Justin Herbert, a player with exactly zero playoff wins and one playoff appearance in three seasons is finding his way to becoming the highest paid the sport has ever seen. It's not surprising. It shouldn't be surprising to anybody. This is where we were always headed. But all you have to do is sniff being what we would consider to be a top five quarterback and then wait your turn, and then you're going to end up getting paid a big-time amount of money. That's just the reality of it. I don't make the rules. I just follow and see how these things are going. Two one six four seven four to below 92. He had been due $4 million in the fourth year of his rookie contract, now locked up through 2029. I also wonder if there's a little bit of Justin Herbert, and this is where maybe Joe Burrow should take note and, and maybe advise from the same people that Herbert is taking advice from. Looked and saw what happened with Lamar Jackson, where up until this offseason, Lamar Jackson had made $15 million fewer than Baker Mayfield, despite winning a league MVP. $15 million fewer. There were bad quarterbacks that I named off that had made more money in the previous five years than Lamar Jackson had. He had completely fumbled the bag riding that whole entire thing out. Obviously, he went to the bargaining table. He ended up getting paid. He's now worth a bunch of money. But for a dude that went on LeBron James's The Shop Show and said that he wanted to be a billionaire and then a Super Bowl winner, he put billionaire first. He was fumbling and failing that part of the equation. Justin Herbert now he's going to get an opportunity because he's young enough. If he signed through 2029, and again, he stayed that extra year. He was at one more year at Oregon. He didn't go right back. Uh, he didn't go right into the, uh, the NFL right away. He's not, he's not a particularly young. He's 25 years old at this point, but he's 25 years old. So in 2029, he's going to be 31 years old. He's going to have another opportunity at 31 years old to cash in on what I would imagine to be at that time I mean, if he has the career people think he could have, another three, four, five hundred million dollar deal, when it's all said and done, Justin Herbert, conservatively, might make upwards of seven hundred million dollars in NFL contracts. And that's playing it conservatively. Like if you're making me bet over under right now, Justin Herbert ends up worth seven hundred plus million dollars by the time this whole thing is done, I would say I would take the over on that one. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Lane up next on the fan. Well, Lane. Hey, how you doing? Hey, what's up, man? Okay, yeah, just want uh, uh, comment on the topic about the quarterbacks, um, Herbert, and all, all these uh, elite quarterbacks getting this money, which is okay. But once again, they don't want to value uh, the running backs and uh, and pay them accordingly to what they work. But um, we'll see how really valuable running backs are once once they start missing those blitzes, linebackers start blitzing. It. 
They don't pick up them blocks and take these quarterbacks. This isn't, out. We're going to see how, how valuable they really are. Wait, this isn't That's the longest yard. This isn't a, this isn't a, it's, not a, it's not a prison movie, Lane. They're going to they're gonna pick up the blocks. I it's, all, it's all I want to say. <laughs> all right. Thanks, all right. Lane. <laughs> Lane's got, he's got, he's mischievous, man. <laughs> they're not going to start just missing blocks like, oh, hey, I, oh I'm going to allay this one. Stat I saw the other day. It was talking about Nick Chubb. And the um, that the the fact that Deshaun Watson uh, is going to make as much money in one year as Nick Chubb had made in his entire career at that point. Like, them's the breaks. I'm sorry, you picked the wrong position to play when you were 10 years old. I do think at some point we're going to have a bounce back because of that. Because there's too many people that are like Lane right now that it, uh, maybe they got grandkids, maybe they have a, a son themselves getting ready to play peewee football, getting ready to go. And, and maybe that kid will be at 9 or 10 years old. You just know they're going to be one of the great athletes of our generation. They just have it. You telling that kid to go be a running back? Of course not. Of course not. You're going to say, go be a wide receiver. You're going to say, go be a quarterback. And what I told you guys last week remains true. The idea that there are so many talented players out there that play the running back position is why we have the situation that we currently have. There are too many people that can, as of right now, get four yards a pop in the NFL. There aren't enough people that can go out there and do what Justin Herbert can do. I can make an argument there aren't enough people that can do even what Kirk Cousins can do. And that's why there's a massive amount of money going towards the quarterback spot. And maybe that'll get corrected. Maybe one day, 10 years from now, we'll wake up and all these athletes will have turned into really great quarterbacks and the conversation will have completely changed. The conversation, all, all these athletes ended up uh, going through the seven-on-seven seven drills, having their quarterback coaches at a young age, calling up the Sean Salisbury's of the world, uh, world, getting them on the phone and saying, hey, do your best work with me when they're knee-high to a duck. Maybe that happens. And if that happens 10 years from now, being Kirk Cousins might not be wild. It might just be like, oh, yeah, we got a bunch of them. We got a bunch of guys that can be that average quarterback yeah there's my homes there are the greats they're the all-timers but that average quarterback to a little bit better than average we got a plethora of them we we, we have a surplus of them we, we we they're not special daniel jones isn't getting paid 40 million anymore that might happen that boomerang effect might happen but we're nowhere close to that right now nowhere close i think i only bring up kirk cousins because i watched the quarterback documentary and when I watch the quarterback documentary, we can get into this a little bit later on. Uh, we can reserve your comments for it later as well, Spencer. But I just kept thinking, uh, you, you just Kirk Cousins and Spencer are basically the same person. They're the Spider-Man meme was my takeaway on that. I don't know why. I kept. I, you guys look so similar, and you kind of act very similar as well. You know what's funny about that is my wife said that the other night. Yeah. And I was like, oh, God. Cause I, cause I, I like that she called it out, too. I, I kept thinking about it the entire time. She, I, the, the reason I was like, so Paul was like, I hope you don't think I dress like him because she was the first, the whole first episode is about that shirt he wore <laughs> yeah. and that became a meme. And she was like, no, you would never walk out of the house or something like that. But you guys definitely look very, very similar. Now I say that. And then also last week at one point I said, he, he remind he's Ned Flanders is what he is. So like, we have to, we have to, you, you were the cool parts of Kirk Cousins, not the nerdy parts of Kirk Cousins that were shown in that one, okay? We got to we got to differentiate the two. But there was a lot of moments. I it's not it's not even like I don't even think personality-wise. I think it was more just the physical the physical looks. You looked and reminded me of Kirk Cousins often. I kept thinking I'm like Spencer could have played this part. If they make a Hollywood movie on you like that, get Spencer 
on the horn immediately. All right. Let's get to Harbaugh. What's funny is I was so fired up to talk about Harbaugh, and then this quarterback conversation just completely overtook my brain, and, uh, and it was all I could think about. It was all, it's all I wanted to talk about. And so we did it, and I'm happy we did it. But what's funny is I, I came into today, and listen, we got a lot of other Browns conversations to get into, but it's rare that I get to get into a college football topic. And I know I've, I've honestly, I've turned into a little bit of an Ohio State, I'm not going to say a homer, because that's not true. You guys know I don't have a dog in the fight. I don't. But I found myself on the defending side of Ryan Day, often this offseason. I have found myself in the defending side of past Ohio State quarterbacks like Justin Fields, often this offseason. And I wonder if I'm turning into a little bit of Ohio State honk. And here's where the genesis of that comes from. So Jim Harbaugh is facing a four-game suspension. And basically he took two high schools out, uh, high schoolers out to get a burger. And I, I, don't, I don't think that's necessarily hiding in the dark, doing shady business in back alleys with duffel bags full of money or anything like that. I, I, I really don't. I, I'm not going to clutch my pearls here and suggest that he did some sort of something really wrong or something really bad. But anyone that thinks this is about the burgers is just not seeing the forest for the trees on this one. All he had to do was cop to this, and it was over. All he had to do was not lie to the NCAA investigators, and he doesn't end up with the four-game suspension. He doesn't end up with the level one infraction. All he had to do was be honest. Harbaugh really got six, negotiated it down to four, but it's not about the burgers. It's about the fact that he lied about it. You can't lie to the NCAA. The cover-up in this instance, is worse than the crime. And I don't really care, but you can't lie to the NCAA. If this happened with Ryan Day, tell me Michigan fans wouldn't be all over this. And I'd love to hear from any Michigan fans on this one. I would. Tell me how I'm supposed to react and take this one in. He lied about it. A man that oftentimes considers himself above the law lied and made it worse. Can Michigan fans admit they got caught with their hand in the cookie jar on this one? Can they admit they're no better than any of the other other programs across college sports that they continue to act like they're better than? Can they admit that? 216-474-0092. Can Michigan stop acting like they're above it all now with these infractions? And we'll get to why it's the one thing you can't do. You can't lie to the NCAA investigators. The history of college sports has shown us you lie to the investigators. That is the biggest no-no. But once again, Harbaugh, in his time in Michigan, continues to try to showcase off why he is above the law and why he's above the NCAA. And I just think people got this entirely wrong. It's not about the burgers. It's not about the high schoolers. It's got nothing to do with that. This is about a man that continues to think he's above everything in college football, and he's not. 216-474-0092. We'll do it next right here on The Fan. All righty, back at a year on the fan, asking you guys at 216-474-0092 if Michigan can now stop acting like they're above it all now. Jim Harbaugh facing the four-game suspension, level one infraction. Really what it is is a six-game that is going to get coughed down to four games, according to Yahoo. But what changes in this discussion now is the air of we are above the rest of the college football world. That's now gone if you're Michigan. Poof. Urban Meyer was suspended the first three games for what his assistant did. This is four games and a level one infraction. Maybe Michigan fans can, you know, move the conversation to everyone does bad things in the NCAA, but that's where they got to move it to. 
What gets me upset with the Harbaugh nonsense is that Harbaugh has continually been awful and Michigan fans act like they, the man does no wrong. They act as if their program does no wrong. And I'm not saying this is the nail in the coffin for them. Hardly. Hardly. And I, to be honest, I truthfully don't care that he lied to the investigators. But this is something you just can't do. He was awful during the Dr. Anderson thing. Not suspending Mozzie Smith after a situation with weapons that landed him a felony charge. New about the arrest, got him on the team plane instead. Donovan Edwards, we could write a book about the museum trip and the fallout from that whole ordeal. And yet Michigan fans walked around all the time acting like they're above it all. Just own it. Own it. Your coach is not living above anyone else. He's not the world's greatest when it comes to putting together a program and keeping things all tight. But the the part that bothers me the most is a couple things. One, how people got this story so incredibly wrong and just wanted to focus on the stupid burgers. It's not about the burgers. It's about what happened and lying to NCAA investigators. And then part two, if this happened at Ohio State, Michigan fans would have an absolute field day and nobody can tell me otherwise. And I think that might be my biggest problem with a lot of this discussion. It feels like it's another notch on the hardball makes another decision that showcases how he thinks he's above everyone else. And it just gets to a point where it's just too bothersome to let go. I mean, how many things can we have pop up with hardball where he just blatantly ignores anyone in any sort of position of power and Michigan just continues to just let it all happen? I know this is how the game is played. I understand that. You're the head coach at Michigan. You've gotten them to relevancy. You've made Ohio State, Michigan, and that matchup, the actual game matter, which I think is a good thing for not only college football, I think it's a good thing for Ohio State as well. But just don't lie about it and nothing happens. Harbaugh and Michigan continue to get by once again. Tressel gets in trouble for tattoos and pants, but Michigan fans acted like the man was personally going door-to-door in Ann Arbor, slapping people and taking their wallets. Please. Tressel lied. He ultimately lost his job. That's how that went down. Uh, But no longer. No, 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 no. No longer can Michigan fan turn around and act like they're holier than thou. Not in my book. I'm sorry. You want to bring up Tressel? Too late. Can't do it. You want to bring up Urban Meyer? Too late. Can't do it. You got your own nonsense happening in that school. The days of Michigan football acting like Ohio State is some sort of big troublesome place and can only do wrong. Meanwhile, uh, there are a bunch of choir boys that can only do right. This tells me no more. Not having it. This tells me right here, Jim Harbaugh, once again, you continue to shape the narrative in a way that has people defending you. And it's it's just, it's it's so maddening to me. What's the one thing you can't do in the NCAA? One thing you can't do, they've made it abundantly clear in the history of the NCAA, and this is why this matters way more than burgers. The one thing you can't do is lie to the people that are investigating on behalf of the NCAA if they think something is wrong. Bruce Pearl, Tennessee head coach with Aaron Kraft. You guys remember that situation? I know you remember Aaron Kraft. You remember the situation? He got three years of show cause for lying about having Aaron Kraft at a barbecue. Told investigators he wasn't there. Pitcher came out that he was there. Ultimately, he lost his job. Because that's how this works. Kevin Ollie, UConn head coach, lied to NCAA investigators about, of all things, 
comping tickets to a trainer that was working with the team. He got a three-year show cause, which is basically you lose your job, and then lost his job. You can't lie to the NCAA investigators. It's exactly what Harbaugh did. You can't do that one thing. I'm honestly shocked. I know the NCAA thinks they're coming down hard. Listen, it's East Carolina. It's UNLV. It's Bowling Green. It's Rutgers. It is what it is. He's got four games he's going to be favored by 30-plus points in. He'll be fine. The team will be fine. But historically, what is being told when you lie to investigators is a show cause and you lose your job. Tennessee football program puts the uh, the old cash in the Chick-fil-A bag. People are like, oh, my gosh, they got off easy because they didn't lose any bowl bands or anything. Not Okay, yeah. Yeah, they had to forfeit a bunch of wins. They'll be fine. Jeremy Pruitt, show cause. Goodbye. Like, this is how this works. But Jim Harbaugh once again skates by. And the maddening part to me is not only the temerity of Michigan fans to act like they can still walk on water and do everything the right way. It's more about the idea that Jim Harbaugh, in a day where we are supposed to be, and again, it's not about necessarily the burgers or even the lying to the NCAA. It's more about, I'm not going to clutch my pearls with that. It's more about you know what you can and cannot do. And Jim Harbaugh came out there and did the one thing he can't do. And instead of people getting on him saying, okay, fine, you're one of us now. You're you're now just as bad and just as wrongful as every other collegiate program that you thought you were above. uh, above. Instead of that, people railed against the NCAA today talking about burgers and how stupid it is that burgers got him in trouble. Please. You are missing the entire conversation and the part of the conversation that actually matters. It feels like he thought he was above the law and didn't have to give the NCAA the time of the day to even play by their rules. The temerity that goes into that is unreal. There was no reason to battle the NCAA with this one. It was COVID times. You could have just pled ignorance and the whole ordeal. But for some reason, he wanted to turn into Pinocchio and lie about it all. The defense of Harbaugh all day is one of the more maddening things I've come across. I told you, you guys know this, I don't have a dog in that fight. I'm not sitting up here waxing poetic one way or another when it comes to Ohio State versus Michigan. That's not my battle. It just isn't. But this is the type of stuff that just infuriates me. Gets me so riled up and so angry. Harbaugh went through an entire season last year where he did nonsense move after nonsense move, and it all just flew under the radar. Google Mozzie Smith. Google Dr. Anderson. Google Donovan Edwards. And it all just flew under the radar. Nobody paid any attention to it. Michigan fans acted holier than thou, and the world kept spinning. And this is just another notch of that nonsense that continues to happen, where that program continues to come under fire, what normally would be a big deal, gets belittled into nothing, and it's so maddening to me. Urban Meyer publicly went on a campaign about a half decade ago saying that any coach that lied to the investigators about recruiting violations should be banned from coaching forever because lying to the uh, investigators is the ultimate sin. But you can't have it both ways. Players get stripped of their eligibility if they lie. It's completely gone. Maybe coaches should be held to that same standard. I know I got plenty of instances of coaches that were held to a much higher standard than what Jim Harbaugh was just held to with this whole ordeal. And it's not even about that. 
It's the only time the NCAA cares about what you do is whether or not you're honest with them. If I have a boss that says I can do whatever I want but never talk about high school hockey and then I talk about high school hockey when there's no reason to ever talk high school hockey, then I think I have it coming to me. That's all it is. They told you not to do one thing. You blatantly did it. That's why you're getting the four games. It's got nothing to do with the burgers. Honestly, if Jim Harbaugh just came out and said, you know what? I had no idea what was going on. COVID times got a little weird. I didn't know what I could and could not do. It's a popular burger spot. It's been there forever. I just thought they were hungry. I was hungry. I thought we'd be all right. My bad hand up. It's not a level one infraction worth six games. It isn't. That's not what would have happened. They would have been like, okay, well, you broke a rule, so we'll find some sort of punishment, but we'll basically let you off with a little slap on the wrist. The problem that Harbaugh came into is that Harbaugh lied about it, and Harbaugh continued to do what Harbaugh does, which is pretend that he's above the law, he's above everything and everyone, and he continues to skate by. Four games is basically a hug from the NCAA, considering everything he did and everything that anyone else that has been caught lying to these investigators ends up with. Line one, Bruce Pearl. Line two, Kevin Ollie. My goodness. They got to be infuriated. Bruce Pearl giving Aaron Kraft hamburgers at his grill at his house and ends up costing himself his job because of it, because he lied to the investigators about what happened. He's got to be furious on a day like today because somehow uh, good old boy Jim Harbaugh just continues to skate by. So maddening to me. So maddening to me. And if this happened at Ohio State, Michigan fans would have a field day at the Buckeyes' expense. They would be all over this. But instead, Michigan fans turned it around and said, what about the cheeseburgers? This is ridiculous. And then Buckeye fans, in turn, lined up, got in droves behind them, and said, yeah, you're right, stupid NCAA. Shouldn't have been the rhetoric today. Should have been more about the idea you can't lie to the investigators, and Harbaugh skates by once again. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right, leave that there. We Come on back. We got to get to the Brownies. There is something that, at least around Kevin Stefanski, I think it might be a little bit of a half-truth. I'll explain what I mean on that when we come on back. Plus, Miles Garrett, we'll get to Daryl Ryder at 9.20. 9.20 now for Daryl Ryder. We got fan focus at 9, off the beaten path. And when the Guardians wrap up, we'll get to that as well. It's overtime with Jonathan Beatle in here with you on the fan. But first, classic Chevy in manner as your 2023 Chevy Silverado 1500 custom truck for $399 per month. Hey, it is Jonathan Peterlin for Jeremy Hamilton and the entire team at Classic Chevy in Menor. Tracks, Trailblazer, Equinox, Traverse, all of the in-demand Chevy models. They're on the lot or in transit to the dealership. Classic Chevy, Route 615 in Menor. The entire inventory, new, certified, pre-owned, or in transit, it's online as well for shopping. You can go to at driveclassicchevy.com. That's driveclassicchevy.com. Chevrolet, find new roads.